Early signing day has come and gone for the Bruins. For the most part, everything goes according to plan. Let's talk about who's coming in. You are locked on UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, it's Zach Anderson Yoxheimer, your favorite Locked On UCLA host and a diehard Bruins fan, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. It's free where we get your podcasts, and thanks for tuning in also on YouTube where it's free. And just hit that subscribe button, like, comment, do whatever you feel pleased to do. As the Bruins, through early signing day, have gotten 13 other 14 hard commits to have signed, and they are officially Bruins with their national letters of intent. And if you get tripped up with the NIL, the NLI, let's just make it simple. National letters letters of intent, you sign those, and maybe the Bruins throw out some NIL to go get one Dante Moore, which is where it starts here. Just the class of 23. We're not talking truly transfer portal gets. All the guys today getting love are the high school kids because the Bruins, most importantly, changed this class by getting Dante Moore which allowed to eventually get a couple of transfer, get one transfer, get another guy here and there, and maybe might affect more guys who Chip Kelly said in conference calls after his official signing day or during the day, saying, well, there's still some guys in the winter we're going to go after. Uh, is it, we're still, what, late fall, early winter now, as we move into the winter portion of recruiting, where there's still the early, not the early signing, but the quote-unquote real signing day in February, or whenever it is and how kids do it. Either way, it's still a chance for UCLA to get some more, but this is where the Bruins did. They got two quarterbacks, Dante Moore, and they got Luke Donovan. No, we're not talking about college sleeves. So, yes, overall, the Bruins did get three quarterbacks, but they got Luke Donovan, 6'6 product, three stars from Orinda, California, and then Dante Moore, five-star product, highest rated recruit in Chip Kelly's tenure. And, of course, he would be the last one of the majority of them to sign today to make Bruin fans wait even more of the greatest recruit Chip Kelly's gotten out of the high school portal, out of the high school ranks, and to get the Bruins building forward. UCLA, two four-star receivers. You have Grant Gray out of Norco, Jeremiah McClure, who says, all right, these are two good gets for UCLA to add to their wide receiver ranks. And while it's not exactly wide receiver U at Chip Kelly, he always seems to have a good wideout or two, at least two to three solid targets in these last couple of years for DTR to throw to, whether it be you have Phillips from a couple of years ago, you had the likes of Greg Dolchich, who wasn't, wasn't a wide receiver, but just, you know, they have at least two to three good targets. And this year wasn't exactly a full tight end. Ezekiel did a good job, but you had Jake Bobo, and then to make sure the rest for UCLA when Kaz Allen wasn't doing much during the season in 2022, but he did have a good end of the year. So they get Grant Gager, Grant Graham, and Jeremiah McClure, two receivers for UCLA who signed and build and build this receiver, receiver room going forward for what Dante Moore is going to have a chance to throw to throughout his Bruin career. Hopefully a long, illustrious, and decorated career for all of these Bruins. You have one offensive lineman, Tavake Tuikulavatu, who is one of the two offensive linemen gets for the Bruins, one in the portal from Purdue, and all Big Ten honorable mansion. For the other one, for Tuikulavatu, he is a three-star get, a big body, about like 6'6", and that just adds to the offensive lineman, which UCLA needed to bulk up on and they might actually hit more for in the portal or in the winter going for more recruiting, as Chip Kelly alluded to, 
in conference calls throughout the signing day. UCLA, while I did talk about most recently during the most recent Locked On UCLA, after all the excitement of the transfer from Oregon coming through, Matsavao coming in as Maliki Matsavao, the big tight end, as the transfer coming through, I talked during that episode that UCLA needed some defense. And while they did stack up a little bit defensively, a couple of safeties, RJ Jones, three-star, Ty Lee, a three-star. Those are some guys, the safety, but a lot of the UCLA guys that are leaving are DBs. And we'll see if, for some reason, if anybody gets converted or not. But so far, two safeties, RJ Jones and Ty Lee, helping try to bolster the secondary for UCLA. And we'll see if they get immediate starting time for the Bruins in 2023 in their last year of the Pac-12. Two linebackers, Trey Edwards, Solomone Malafu. Malafu, I believe, was the last Bruin of the day to sign, as those are some more defensive pre- defensive guys. A.J. Fuyamonano, as I hopefully did just butcher that, but I'm trying to get that better for the future. I haven't seen a pronunciation guide. But for A.J., one of the defensive linemen, and then Grant Bucky, the former SC commit, then turned into a UCLA product as he was able to quote-unquote be flipped and turned into a Bruin. So overall, those last six guys, defense, you mix in two receivers, two quarterbacks, an offensive lineman, and that's just the high school guys building from the class of 23 and moving into the Big Ten. And then two final guys, you have Donovan Palat and Isaiah Carlson, who are both recruited under the athlete moniker as guys who can contribute in possible, possibly multiple ways for the Bruins, as those are going to round out the 13 signees for UCLA on this early signing period, high school kids only. And the only unsigned guy, the UCLA Bruins, who was a hard commit, you have Ethan O'Connor, three-star out of Los Alamitos. Rumor has he's going to possibly, as reported um, throughout the various ranks, that he might wait to sign later in the period. We'll see if that means he changes his commitment. Again, this is the early signing day here in December. This is new waters for treading as, you know, normally we're used to this being back in February. And maybe the new thing is, will start signing in December all the time, or they're going to change it. Either way, UCLA got 13 of their 14 commits. O'Connor, he's a three-star, and we'll see what happens if for some reason he flips, if something changes. Either way, he was the only Bruin of the high school class of 23 that remained unsigned in the early signing day. Doesn't mean he can't sign later. Just means he's going to have to take some time and either make his decision again, as we see this day and age when it comes to recruiting, Sometimes you have to re-recruit, as Oregon's learned, and even UCLA's learned in this high school day and age. You have to re-recruit the commits you already have and ensure that someone else doesn't go throw a bag at them and give them a lot of money in the NIL days and find ways to make sure that, hey, they don't go make a lot more money elsewhere or a promised starting time or better positional, you know, starting depth-wise going forward in other places. So for O'Connor, hasn't signed yet, and that's what the Bruins have. a class. That if you include all the transfers, rated as high as 22 in the country, depending on which composite rankings you have. And then, in addition to that, number three in terms of the transfer rankings for UCLA, which we can dive deeper into in future episodes. But so far, those are the 13, besides Ethan O'Connor, that UCLA have had two receivers, two quarterbacks, one offensive lineman, six defense-specific guys, two safeties, two linebackers, two D-linemen, and two athletes with Flat and Carlson. And again, I apologize if I butcher any of those names. We'll make sure when the Bruins get those real pronunciation guys, 
guides coming through, and it's not just high school mixture and matches of terrible name pronouncing. We'll get those good to go. So that is your UCLA class of 23 coming in as a freshman class. So was that class of 26, I think, going forward? I 27. I don't even know what year it is. Who knows? UCLA, pretty late solidifying, pretty late in the game solidifying this class when it comes to the high school ranks, adding transfer guys. So it makes you a lot more excited for the Bruins going forward as, you know, Chip Kelly seems a little bit more, dare I say it with the pun, chipper, excited. Gets all the Bruins fans. We're all excited as now there's still maybe another two or one to two guys you can maybe realistically expect that we haven't heard of yet to maybe become a Bruin. I know most recently I added uh, possibly Roderick Pleasant, who made an official visit to UCLA. That would be a good DB get if he's going to make his decision in January, sign in February. Either way, maybe the emphasis is maybe one more offensive guy and another guy in terms of a defensive product for UCLA. Pleasant would be a great add. Wherever it is, maybe hit on the defense. And that's UCLA, what they've hit so far in this high school class of 23. A lot of guys, you you can go look. You can see who's committed in this day and age. You can see who's signed. Just once again, reminding you, this is who your Bruins of the future will be. And in the day and age of the portal, it could change. It very well can change very quickly with guys leaving in the next year. I was throwing jokes to the Locked On Ducks host. I hope all you guys who signed as Ducks will enjoy being future Bruins. And that was a joke. A very big-time joke with the Bruins flipping Dante Moore, getting Maliki Matsavao, and just seeing how things transpire over the next couple of years where Chip Kelly has seemingly done his best magic even during these winter months to go grab one or two unsigned guys in the portal or crazy guys, not crazy guys, but crazy products who are unexpectedly in the portal that Chip Kelly can make into UCLA finished, refined products. You got that? Bruins early signing day is done. No need to worry. We were excited about it, just as you can be excited to go find ways to bet on, you know, these bowl games coming up. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, news, and analysis. Got the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, UCLA's game coming up in just a little over a week and a half, just about basketball. The World Cup just ended. Could have had a crazy time going all over that, hitting those numbers and odds and everything. They've got everything with BetOnline. If you love podcasts with betting fixes, BetOnline's got you there. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixes, just head to the website today at BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Where it starts. In the meantime, where we're going to wrap up this episode is we're going to start backward, not backwards. We're going to go building into basketball again. Because, you know, UCLA, we're going to talk more transfers later in the end of this week, maybe start of the next week, look more at the Big Ten if anything changes. And then, as we lose the voice yet again here for the fifth billion time this week, as the excitement of Dante Moore and everything wears off, the Bruins basketball team, Mick Cronin, has got his team ready and firing on all cylinders. The 11-2 Bruins, who won today 81-54 to over UC Davis, Overall, in their non-conference stretch, UCLA went 9-2 and two over their 11 games. Remember, they had those early December those early December conference games at Stanford and at home versus Oregon. Those one-offs because they don't play the full 22-game Pac-12 schedule. UCLA finishes conference play 9-2, and two, winners of eight in a row, and if you take out those two conference wins, six straight non-conference games highlighted 
by the most recent wins of Maryland on the road by practically 40. And a double digit, mind you, what seemingly could have been a much bigger UCLA margin of victory or could have been a close one down to the stretch. UCLA beats Kentucky by 10 on a neutral site on the opposite coast where it was mostly mobbed by Kentucky fans in what many call the most perfect basketball arena. Maybe not the most perfect, but the, the basketball arena in Madison Square Garden that you go and get your jobs done. So UCLA finishes with a pretty easy win against UC Davis. You could say a sluggish start, only a 12-point lead against the likes of UC Davis at half. But either way, UCLA comes out firing in the second half, nearly 50 points against the Aggies, 48 points against the Aggies, 33. So the Bruins go to 11-2, and and UC Davis falls to 7-5. and Reminder, UC Davis is a team that knocked off Cal, well, who hasn't this year, but still a good end of non-conference game to make sure you didn't slip before you go to Pullman and Seattle just across the end of the 2022 calendar year into 2023 and spending it in Seattle. Not a bad place to spend your New Year's. It'll be cold, but not a bad year to go ring in the New Year with the Huskies. So before we get to that, UCLA, who didn't hit any threes in their first half, struggled to shoot the basketball, about a 41% clip. You know, you play a short, you have a little bit of a short week. You come back from New York. You have the Saturday night game. That means you probably don't come back until Sunday afternoon. You need your rest. It takes a day. It's a 2 p.m. middle of the week, middle of the day game before your little break over the holiday part of the season, before we get to the Christmas weekend here upcoming. And just know that they're going to have a few days off because there's nine days in between games from the likes of the Davis game all the way until that Washington State, quote-unquote, new Pac-12 opener in the end of the calendar year, the last game of 2022. So for the Bruins, who stood out today? A lot of the scoring was diversified from four to the rest of the lineup. But again, Jalen Clark, who has been consistently the best player. I know Jaime Hawkins Jr. was the Pac-12 player of the week against Maryland and Kentucky. But for me, it's been Jalen Clark. He has been the MVP of the non-conference slate. 18 points, 11 rebounds two steals, a block, and three assists with no personal fouls against UC Davis in 34 minutes of action. Hit a three, four offensive rebounds. He has been UCLA's saving grace and will be the reason UCLA goes far this season. Not the X factor, but he is the reason with the defensive intensity, his upscoring numbers, just the fact that he can hit the rebound, play defense, be scrappy, be up in your business without fouling. That is just the key part of UCLA's success this year on the hardwood. Tiger Campbell in 32 minutes, 17 points, a couple of rebounds, two assists, no turnovers. So nice to see Tiger Campbell in a lot of minutes today find ways to take care of the basketball. Not always his fault when you have the point guard, and as he's been asked to do so many times this year for Mick Cronin, get the basketball, go and score, and also be the distributor. Not as many assists today, but for UCLA, it's nice to see Campbell score the basketball, on over 50% shooting, I highlighted an episode just a little over a week ago where Tiger Campbell has had nearly career-low shooting numbers close to his freshman year here in his fourth year at UCLA, and yet here Tiger Campbell is, or well, you know, coming off the injury, you have Tiger Campbell from his freshman year, his freshman playing year, into his fourth playing season at UCLA, where his numbers hadn't been good shooting the basketball, today a lot better, 17 points. Jaime Hawkins Jr., 14 points, 60% shooting, 
three assists, eight rebounds, but he didn't have three personal fouls. It's not always a big thing, but three turnovers to lead to all the Bruins who committed 10 turnovers. For UCLA, again, defense rules the day. 10 turnovers given up, but 19 forced against UC Davis. That makes it for UCLA the 13th game this season of all their 13 they've played where the Bruins have committed less turnovers than their opponent, and thus their record is 11-2. and Why they probably weren't tested against these mid-majors is because UCLA didn't have a game where even if they weren't shooting well, they didn't turn it over as much, and they forced more turnovers through a flurry, whether it be in the first half or the second half, where opponents truly felt the physicality, just how good and mentally tough these Bruins are. Some from the Final Four, some highly touted from the new recruiting class, and some Bruins like Jalen Clark that have developed and blossomed into truly special basketball players all around, for the most part, finding ways to score, get easy buckets, and most importantly, the intangibles of defense and rebounding, which he's instilled from McCronin's emphasis, but instilled as the heart and soul of this UCLA team, in my opinion. Up and down the board, a Bone, a lot of time on the floor, nine points, six rebounds. Nice to see Bona once again against you know mid-major opponents, much smaller bigs in the post. He's got to be able to score. That's what UCLA is going to play against in those first round, if not two potentially, arguably three, barring a sweet 16 Cinderella run by somebody that you're going to play in these first two of three rounds in March Madness, that you got to be able to feed the big man down low, where for some reason Tiger Campbell, Jalen Clark, and Jaime Hawkins Jr. aren't getting their buckets, which is what Mick Cronin's been worried about. We can't just be Tiger and Jaime and pray for rain, right? That old moniker from the old school Braves that Mick Cronin recently alluded to in a media availability conference. They've got to find more ways to score. Bona is going to be neat. He's going to need to be a physical presence. Maybe not all the time. He doesn't need to average 10 and 8, 10 and 7, but it would be nice for him to grab rebounds, be a force in the paint with his sheer athleticism, had a couple of big-time athletic blocks just off the board, just, well, bam, slapping it off the board, saying, this is my house in the paint, you can't score. But against those teams in March, that first game, what if someone's shooting threes down the stretch and they make it close and it comes down to a bonus bucket to get a big bucket late? Or against a team in the Pac-12, not even going to single anybody out yet, but there's going to be a game where Bona needs to score in double figures for UCLA to win. Maybe not even being a matchup problem. It's just a game where he needs to step up as a big-time recruit, a big freshman, and learn that he's slowly developing. You can see in the game where his footwork, his different angles of attacking the hoop against his defense, against Anigwe for UC Davis, you can see it's starting to click, right? Just like it did for a brief stretch there for Amari Bailey when the Bruins started this winning streak, and he was scoring in double figures from four to five straight. Bona, it's starting to click mentally up there. Amari Bailey, 20 minutes, seven points. He's been quiet as of late, and I know if you saw me on Locked On College Basketball, I argued that Bailey wasn't the most NBA-ready. He's still learning. It seems like he's still transitioning, right, from the high school. And even Don McClain, who was on the Pac-12 broadcast, saying he's still learning that he can't just go and dominate and out-muscle and out-physical you, out-athlete you at this level. And maybe against UC Davis, he possibly could. But there's a moment in the game, as exemplified by Don McClain, you pass out, Bailey passes up the open straight-on three look, goes and takes a wild contested layup, which maybe can work at different levels of basketball, but it's not going to work in the NBA when the athletes are as freakish as they are, as they can make sure you don't score. Although sometimes in today's NBA, it's pretty easy to score in the paint. 
And when you're playing the physical teams that can play a zone or keep their big man posted up the middle, you might not be able to score and out-muscle your defender to the lane. So Bailey has shown some bright spots of improvement, but it's one of those guys who might need that three- to four-day offset retool. He's shown some bright spots. He will be key to UCLA moving forward and winning games down the stretch in the Pac-12 on the road or even at home against tough teams like in Arizona or anybody who comes in and makes it a lot closer game than expected at home. And again, those are my highlights for UCLA. Excited, ready to go. Go Bruins. Be excited. Get crazy because UCLA's won nine in a row heading into the Pac-12 conference strictly from Washington State to Washington. So guys got to build forward. And the Bruins overall shooting 48% against Davis, winning by 27 and winning nine in a row as they got excited to go do so. So hope you enjoyed the episode. Bruins get the early signing day out of the way. We're excited for football. And UCLA basketball once again has said, hey, why are we so excited? Well, because they're, they've are they been dominating as of late. So be excited. Go Bruins. Enjoy the holiday season. We'll come up with more UCLA stuff. Meantime, happy birthday to a longtime listener, big-time UCLA booster, Craig V. You know who you are. Happy birthday. Party hard. We'll come hit up the tailgate in the fall once again for football, if not for a big basketball game. Go Bruins. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA fight, fight, fight. Oh, yeah. We're excited. We're going crazy. This is, yeah, got to get the showcase the hat. Let's go. Go Bruins. Oh, oh, oh. UCLA. All right. We're done. Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, signing off. Go check out Locked On Sports Today. Make that your second listen. This has Locked On Yo Bruins.